brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY, and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. Bill Anthes, welcome to the fucking show. <laughs> Kelsey, thanks for having me on the show. I'm so excited to have you. We just had a complete rant about the world and also about lovely things like how to pronunciate people's names. And I'm so excited to have you on because it is so fun when you get to talk to people that are deeper than cookie sheets, that are changing people's world and the people you get to hang out with in the suck and then have on your show. So I'm so happy to have you here. Yeah, appreciate it. It's so good. It, it's cool that um, we got to connect and actually meet each other in person first. I know. And then do this. You know, a lot of the like now currently with people meeting online and then it's like a treat if they, you know, meet in the flesh. And so for us to have met in the flesh is in the suck as well is, is a bonus. You didn't make it look like suck. And for those who don't remember exactly what I'm talking about, let me just refresh your memory. We did the Warrior Angel 4x4x48 four by four by event, the David Goggins Challenge out in, um, in Texas. And uh, we got to meet incredible people and just had such a, and I think you, I think you, experience the same thing, like such a deep, like soul, like warming connection with individual and spirit and the event itself. And it was something that was so special and palpable that I'm, I'm so glad we got to do. And, and our listeners know that we did this event and, um, and that's where I met you, Bill, you were there and you were not only you, but, um, between the ears and your incredible programs that you and your beautiful wife do, you guys like donated, it was 11 grand. We raised 11,000. Yeah. Yeah. Sure did. Which is, and which we kind of were, there's the, there's the money part, but there's also the, how many human beings going to be impacted by this part and that was what we kind of looked at it as you know we our goal was send one person to a treatment if we could reach two awesome and for it to be you know uh three plus some and then their families and everything like that like that's that's the real form of currency it really is and when people when people actually 
see it. And when you're doing events like that to impact others' lives and you just see how much the event itself that's doing the fundraising for other people, how much it can impact individual lives. It's such a special thing to be a part of, excuse me. And that's where I got to meet you and your wife and you guys made it look easy. Well, I, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know. I don't think anybody uh, would say it was easy by any means, but it is an amazing thing. Well, you know, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, communal kind of thing. Um, I think there's a certain amount of grace with that. And that's what I found from others as well. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if I saw anybody like there was obviously a couple of people who were physically like, okay, this is like, you know, whatever, but like, it was so much greater than suffering. And that, that grace component was, I mean, I fed off of other people for sure. You know, I, I always wonder how individuals do that event by themselves because it really is an energy exchange. And when you're in close proximity with others, that's something that I, I think when I describe the palpable feeling, that's really what I'm alluding to is that deep connection with another human being. That's a complete stranger. And what a beautiful unifier, not only for individuals and, and like I said, helping other people, but what a, what a refreshment that we have like refreshing feeling that we just haven't had in such a long time, at least for us up in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, I think, you know, obviously to different extents, you know, different areas have felt the isolation and lockdown and shutdowns differently, but you know, that authenticity and strength of connection that was there, uh, it was, it was the most spiritual event. It was the most spiritually profound event I was ever part of in my, in my life really. Um, and I would actually, and I would put that greater than my psychedelic experience too, because I was like, because that's a whole separate realm of like dimension, you know, but this was in this, in this realm, it was, it was profound on many levels. So let's get into that. Let's learn about your life. Let's tell everyone and talk about why you're so cool and kind of how you even got connected with something like the Warrior Angel Foundation. Ooh, yeah. So, um, grew up my whole life being an athlete, uh, wanted to be a little, wanted to be a commando, but when my older brother went into the air force, the U S air force to pursue being a pilot, um, about a year later or two, no, about, uh, yeah, about a year later, um, he was at the U S air force Academy, nine 11 happened. And then, you know, it was clear that his path as he was the old, I'm the middle of three, he was going to go into the military. I wanted to go in, but I didn't want to do that to my parents. I don't want to have two of their sons go into the military and stuff. And so I kind of tried to forge my own way and was a high level athlete, you know, played at high levels in club and, and throughout university finished college went to doing accounting of all things. Um, and you know, at 25 was like, this is not what I want to do for, for my life. Quit enlisted into the army, uh, with the hopes of going into the green berets, special forces, uh, successfully entered that 
However, the two months before I went to basic training, I um, walked into this CrossFit gym back in 2010 and met this amazing woman who is now my wife. And that uh, kind of derailed my plan of spending, you know, my foreseeable future in the in the military in in, in that in that level. Um, so after five years, got out to be with family. We never were together during. Uh, during my entire five years, we didn't live together until I actually separated from the military. And then, yeah, just trying to find my own way. It's been super hard. It's, um, you know, that loss of identity and perhaps coming into the awakening of I not, you know, gonna, gonna serve me. Um, that's been a, that's been a big challenge. And so, you know, opened up, created a small little brand called Between the Ears, which was to create experiences for people to learn about themselves. And hopefully, you know, it's very much about self-empowerment um, and doing good. And so kind of been plugging away at that, um, finishing up my master's degree here uh, to be a licensed social worker, like a psychotherapist here in the States. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the real, the most quick lifetime line ever. <laughs> I was just going to say that was the two and a half second timeline. Fantastic. Thank you for that. <laughs> and now the podcast is over. No, but seriously, you do, um, you do a lot of work and it, <laughs> you do a lot of different projects and you, it seems like you have a lot on the go. You, I see with your wife and the, and, and the programs that you guys provide and the, and the podcast that you guys provide is this really strategic, unique way of looking at mental health. It's not just physical fitness or a therapeutic standpoint. It's really, it's really, um, the cohesion is really nice to see. How is that 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 came up? Because I know working with spouses isn't always the easiest thing to do, let alone working on trying to grow this brand and this awareness and all the complicated things that come with trying to make something big as an entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, the, so the, the brand between the ears, um, my wife deserves more, probably all the credit for it because without her saying, look, this is something that you've been talking about this is something that you've been sort of saying, Oh, it'd be cool to do. Like, it'd be cool to have people come to, you know, an event or, or, you know, do a workout or whatever, or subscribe to a principle driven, you know, methodology that helps them improve themselves physically and also mentally and stuff. And so I was actually going to go back in, I was going to go, I was going to do some, you know, um, other OGA work as well as going back into the national guard um, within special forces. And, uh, before I kind of went the, like to go reenlist, she was like, look, if you, if you can't move on right now, when will you really ever? And this was like, you know, inside a year, maybe at like the six month mark. And I've heard you talk about this, like between the ears concept, like, are you going to give it a go at all? Like, are you going to, cause you know that like this thing that you kind of seem passionate about is going to most likely be impossible to do. So she hit me with a dose of truth and honesty that, you know, made me look at things. And so, so that's kind of where it started. And then in 
not going back and running away from what was now my new life here i had i looked at my own stuff my own trauma my own um you know mental ways of being and that has been a five to six year period i mean it's it's been a six year period really of yeah just kind of learning and growing and that sounds really good a lot of times but holy shit as we know like it's painful and it's heavy and there's a burden and there can also be a lightness too you know um but but it's 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 certainly you know, i think we all like want to see the outcome like growth yes awesome and then skip over what is required to get there and so with between the ears and a lot of the stuff we do we want to provide the, the way to get there you know and in a manner that's approachable that not to say it's going to save you pain um, because you're going to have to go through whatever that is for your own self, but some guidance, some support, some, some things that say, Hey, this is sort of some stuff going on, nervous system based, you know, psychology, psychology based, environmentally based. And, and as you continue to go through that process, which isn't quick and it certainly isn't easy, you know, we can hopefully support along the way. It's an interesting way to look at things because a lot of individuals want to better themselves. Everyone wants a quick fix. Everyone wants that, um, the quick pill or like the thing, how do I get skinny? How do I do this? Like, that's not a reality. And when, and the sooner somebody realizes it and the sooner somebody has someone that's not a yes person in their life to sit down and have the tough conversation, like she did with you, you're able to actually move forward in your life. And you're able then to seek out tools and, and healing modalities that maybe you wouldn't have any other way or any other time if someone wasn't honest with you about how difficult it can be and what the realities are. And that's really no different um, when looking at psychedelic work, right? And, and looking at bettering your life, because at the end of the day, Starting the thing is starting the thing, but just because you started the thing doesn't mean that the thing keeps working because you, if, if you just stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's a hard one for individuals to wrap their minds around, it feels like. Yeah, and I think culturally it matters too. You know, I, have a, I had a human behavior teacher uh, who was a phenomenal teacher, which the, the premise of the course was essentially going through the entire DSM-5 which is, you know, the diagnostic and statistical manual for mental disorders. And that's like a super pejorative term, Um, but it's diagnosing mental disorders. And he brought to this class such a human forward element of, you know, obviously very anti-stigma and and not being pathologizing with folks, but also understanding like, look, this is sort of some of the system that we have to operate in. There is something called, PTSD, there is something called, you know, whatever, agoraphobia, all these different things. But he was saying, like, you can't talk about mental health without talking about culture. You can't do it. No, you can't. And you look at not only from like a diagnostic standpoint of what's quote normal to some person, but like, what is the role of the culture? What's the role of the culture on that individual's, you know, mind state and, 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 and mindset? And so here in the West or in the States, Canada, you know, it's like, we've got access to everything. You know, you want a book, boom, Amazon it and you, or speak it into the, your living room. And the damn thing will say like, I have, you know, Roger, I got it. We're mailing it now. Things, uh, 
just magically appear with very, very little effort <laughs> all around us. All and we're all like, I'm guilty as shit about that. You know what I mean? And don't tell me you haven't you haven't elected yet when no. No, okay, no, no, thank God. No. I'm like, you're smart enough, right? To not yeah, no, have that, no, right? No, no. no, we have one, but it, we got one like years ago. And then we're like, wait a second. This thing is like, I don't, at first it was like a way to play music. And then right. it developed into, I don't this is probably five years ago. So it's not, you know, it's anyway. Um, <laughs> point being the, we look at our mental health. We look at our, who we are, our, our experience of life and you know it's like we don't have a subscription to prime for life you know and um and i think that's something that we forget our culture our society forgets about scandinavians you know japanese other other cultures other other areas not so much um but that's certainly a, a, a current we have to swim against often and it's very interesting when you bring up the DSM too, because I've learned about that enough because dear God, have I ever yeah. been in therapy? Um, so <laughs> <laughs> there's a diagnostic manual for everything. And uh, there's a criteria those things have to fit into and it evolves and changes over time. And what was PTSD before is now seen as PTS and there's complex and there's X, Y, and Z and every, everything ebbs and it flows. And it's so interesting to hear you talk about culture, though, because I don't often hear individuals bring up things like DSM and culture in the same conversation because they're so they, they seem like opposing opposing ideas or uh, opposing topics, really, if you will. And Western culture really does have everything at its fingertips and yet somehow gets it so wrong every time. Mm. Why do you think that is? <sighs> I think if I had the right answer to that, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd be on an you, island somewhere. Or Tell me your you know. opinion. I don't yeah. need to know if it's right. I want to know your I, thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I think that our culture has this elevated sense of knowing that we know or thinking that we know. And we're right, and it's a superiority thing, and we've sort of stripped away the the magical mystery and experience of life and because we know and we've and we figure out we put somebody on the moon or not depends upon who you are talking to but like elon musk will say elon musk does what elon musk does and we're like oh yeah. well like we're pretty much like masters of everything and we've so removed ourselves from the from 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 nature and you know, these laws of nature and our environment um, that I think we have this sense that we, we can control everything. And, you know, it's, that's one component of it. I think that then when you say, okay, well, it's in a book, it's on a paper, boom, it's this. And it's like, no, it's, it's not. Um, and I just actually had a thought about this too. <laughs> I was talking with a client this week and he was telling me about bare knuckle fighting. I'm like, whoa. Of course, I think like, all right, that's some savage, like you're fucking people up in that. And he's like, yeah, it's actually, it's, it's safer than regular fighting. And the reason is, is because they know like you've got no gloves. You've got no protection on you. You, you haven't. So you have to be a strategician. You, you can't take these wailing things. Like you'll break your hand, you know? And so we have this desire, I think now recently to be, so safe with everything and too much safety is fucking dangerous at a certain point 
and we try to just make sure everything's safe and it's not <laughs> and it's yeah i think that's also part of it i think we um we put we put everybody in a bubble to not harm each other and and yet it somehow has made things worse and there's got to be this component of of risk in life especially as a child my god you really do see a significant difference on kids who have been exposed to not dangerous but not telecop behavior this 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 experience where they've been given freedom if you will i use my kid as an example versus his kindergarten friends it's a drastic contrast. Okay. This one went to forest preschool during COVID never wore a mask was completely exposed to the wilderness, rain, sleet, snow. It didn't matter. You're out there for eight hours of the day from age four to five. Bye-bye now Mm. giving him that adversity and challenge and learning how to adapt and change and work through things, learning things like building fires and shelter and foraging and having a hatchet at four and learning how to use it safely and life skill, real skill versus the box over here with the school systems where most of these kids didn't attend preschool. So in kindergarten, they're a nightmare. They're not potty mm. trained. They don't know how to do up their own jackets. They can't leave parents' side. They wear a mask. All of these things. And they're fearful to play near other children. And they don't know how to <clears throat> read each other's faces because they haven't been given any adversity or struggle. It's been a fear-based way of, of put the kid here. Let's keep the kids safe. But in doing that, it's psychologically damaged children yeah. in a really significant way that we're only now starting to just scratch, scratch the surface on. And in speaking to things like school boards, um, I've, I've talked about this on my show before, in particular, our son's uh, school is a, we've had quite a bit of issues with violence. And when you speak to the, the school, they, they say, we have seen a high propensity of anxiety, depression, and, 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 you know, really kind of outrageous behavior from young children that we have never, ever seen before and on a global mass scale. And that's just one school. So it's very clear to me, at least, or it seems like common sense that when you re- we remove adversity, and you remove challenge and you remove the, the uh, opportunity to fail or struggle, mm-hmm. you remove the part of the brain that develops and allows for adversity down the road and being able to handle all of these things as life gets thrown at you as you become an adult. And <clears throat> I would like to see I would like to see that evolve and change and swing back that other direction. Although I am fearful that it, it won't, I feel we have gone too far and, and that's just where society feels comfortable. Now it's almost like you're abusing your child. If you do those things that say I do personally with my son. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, that's interesting too. When you also bring up, when you're talking about the DSM and you're talking about development, you're talking about diagnoses and, it seems like as time has gone on, <clears throat> the DSM has gotten more aggressive and it's gotten, there's so much more added to it and children are being diagnosed. Everyone's got a problem. Hmm. Like after I was with you, I went to the TBI clinic and I found out that some of my mannerisms are very autism like 
<laughs> and I was told like, a touch of the tism. So my point is, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I do these hand gestures. That's just part of my, what I thought was my me, but apparently it's been a part of the brain damage. And like some, you know, some of the stuff that's happened, it, it affects the brain. So we're, we're so, so quick. It feels like yeah. to put a label on people and it's, mm-hmm. we're so quick to put a label on individuals if they're different than anyone else in any way, shape or form. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And I think that's part of the problem is that that label then says, I know now there's resolution here, right? The mystery and the potential that we don't know is removed. We've made sense of that anxiety of unknowing and that's just, in my mind, the, th- the the thought that we can say, I know all of this shit, is the most ignorant fucking thing you can say. Right. Because, okay, your hand, and so, so we put the label on. And then it's like, well, we know. It's safe. It's, it, it's contained. We know kind of what to do with this. And it's like, you know, and, and that's where, you know, one of the things, you know, schizophrenia is kind of emerging now as like a not a new and i'm certainly not an expert on or you know the mental health field like there's a lot more people who have done a lot more and in it a lot longer and so obviously i speak only on behalf of myself but from my own sort of stuff like that's an emerging mental disorder that they're saying look hey like there's a lot about this experience of people that are living with this cluster of things that we just do not know. And to, to label it as like, Oh, that person's schizophrenic is really like in 15, 20 years, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be a, uh, you know, like a taboo term, I think. Um, Cause yeah, we don't know. We don't know where it starts. We don't know where it comes from. And I think it's, it, it is getting lost in the unknown is a scary place. And I certainly have a, uh, like, I can certainly empathize with that because we need to have this balance between the known and the unknown. And so one swing to either side, right? Like being completely in the unknown is a, is, is complete and utter chaos. And then being completely in the known, there's somebody who, who can't do anything and that over order is, and they're both paralyzing, Right. So weaving both of the known and the unknown together, I think that's what we have to do. And when you're looking at things like the unknown, it seems like a terrifying space to be in because there's, there's, it seems like there's no resolution, but often in the unknown is where you find yourself the most. And when you're not safe and when you start to explore, that's a, that's a different thing. And these labels we also put on individuals, depending on the severity of it, are quite limiting um, for life. If somebody has, you know, bipolar schizophrenia or, you know, you know, things like what's another, what's a really another aggressive, you know, mental, there's a lot of really strong mental health words that when you say to someone, there's a reaction and there's a reaction because it's been so known in the past with such erratic behavior or dangerous behavior. And it, it limits individuals. And really a lot of these are manageable mental health conditions now. Yeah. 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 And, and you even look at how we refer to things like ADHD, you know, that's, that's one where everybody's got ADHD. And oh yeah. 
I'm not <laughs> saying, you know, and, and it's like, well, it's, that's my ADHD. It's, um, I don't know. Like it may be okay. I'm, I'm certainly not one to say yes or no, but like we use it. So like I had somebody actually a classmate early on in my program that I was going through, and this is like, a, a, not everybody's going to be a therapist after this, but like, that's where most people are kind of going. It's a very clinical heavy thing. And the person literally said, yeah, oh my God, that, that, that class gave me PTSD. And I almost oh. jumped through the Zoom computer and I was like, oh. you are, but you are yet on the other side of it. You're, you're representing the wokeness of social justice and don't, don't say any sort of, you know, don't, don't offend anybody. And yet you're saying that like, so you either don't know what that term means, which is a problem, or you do know what that term means and you still use it anyway. And that's a bigger problem. Correct. Um, and, you know, so yeah, the whole DSM and culture and all of that, it's, it's, but it is one of those things that I think, you know, for now, at least we, we do have to contend with it um, because it's part of the system right now. And yeah, but that's part of it. You know, that's part of our, that's part of our condition. We have to deal with shit that we don't want to deal with sometimes and right. got to navigate it, got to dance it. That's right. And it's possible. It's all possible to, to navigate. But when you have individuals like that, who are going to be going into the world and becoming psychologists or psychiatrists, and that's their behavior, it concerns me. It's no different than teachers who have a very strong opinion about opinion about some type of politic or way of life and, and then oppose yeah. it on the young children. When you have dangerous behavior like that, that shows it's concerning to think that the rest of the world is learning from you. <laughs> very, very much so. I agree. Yeah. But you, you also kind of dabble in a few other things and you alluded to that before again, and that was psychedelics. And is that how you knew, did you know Jesse Gould of heroic hearts before the event? No, no, I met him there. Okay. So what was your, so I did a psychedelic experience through vets. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Are you, are you com comfortable having that discussion? Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So you met through vets and, and let's start with how did you, how did you hear about vets? What was the, the process for you? Yeah. So a buddy of mine who, a buddy of mine, um, went through one of their retreats, got out, called me and said, Hey, what do you know about psychedelics? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, um, a little bit, you know, I've been being in mental health and, you know, just being a student of things. Um, you know, I, I, I knew that they were emerging out of, and Hopkins was really leading the charge and they, it was like, okay, this isn't just like, you know, dropping acid at a show and then all of a sudden, whatever, right. This seemed like it was work. It was protected. It was, um, you know, all the good things that they're, that all of the people are doing, but that was about it, you know? And he's like, well, I just did this thing. I think you should take a look at, um, you know, and he, he kind of knew, a he knows some of my stuff and um, not every single detail, but gets it, you know, and, and saw this, you know, like what I would write or some of the between the ears work and this, this whole, this like integrative approach. And so he's like, you know, I think it would work really well with like what you're doing, your direction, your journey and um, the access part. 
is what he really spoke about where like it gives you this access that yeah you know you just kind of that, that you just can't get with something else you know and that's not doesn't make those other things wrong or whatever and um and so so that was on like let's just say it was on a sunday on a monday um a friend of ours andy stump put out a podcast with marcus and amber capone who are the founders of vets and i said to my wife my wife like oh this is this is who ben who who is my our buddy our friend this is who he worked with like this is like this is funny like you know (laughs) and she listened to it first before i did yeah i know right it's kind of like okay you know this is now you get um, it it, yeah (laughs) it's like not you know serendipitous kind of is is an understatement um and she listened to it and she's like you know, she was, I think, maybe 45 minutes into it or whatever, an hour into it. She's like, hey, you need to, I think you need to listen to this. Because I hadn't even listened to it yet. Um, and I said, okay. And we were, we were driving to, actually, like, we were driving to a funeral, listening to it. Um, and I was like, oh, shit. This is, like, it sounded like an echo. And um, some of the details of our stories were different, but a lot of the similarities were, were the same. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. It's a tough thing. And I think it's a really, it's a really tough thing on the heart because there's no mirror for mental health for yourself. And that's why, and like, we need to have our, the people with this, with strong will and courage to hold that mirror up there are mirror in many ways and our support systems. And, you know, I think deep down, like I knew, I know I've put my, certainly my wife through a hell of an experience and a ringer and have not been an easy person to live with um, at all as I go through my stuff. And, you know, on the one, one hand you can know that but then it's like what do i do about it i just i'm, I'm doing all this stuff i'm doing all this stuff and i'm like i'm trying but i don't think we ever really maybe per, because of out of a protection truly know like just not like how bad we are i don't again i don't want to be like stigmatizing and stuff but like we don't see ourselves like that you know and so anyway uh, um I reached out or she reached out to them uh, and cause I, I'm, I want to do it for myself, you know? Um, and she really had that and they're like, yeah, great. And Ben connected us on email and said, Hey, this is, you know, Billy's green beret and blah, blah, blah. And took it from there. And in January, uh, so that was probably in October and in January I went on, uh, I went, I went on a retreat. And what did you, yeah. um, what was the psychedelic? So I did Ibogaine and oh. then five MEO DMT right after it. What was Ibogaine? You know, Ibogaine apparently is called like the stern grandfather. Yeah. I, I think I had, it was, it was, a, it was one of the, it was extremely peaceful for me, which what? is not common from what <laughs> no. I've talked. Yeah, I know. I, I, Kelsey, don't even. There's a, <laughs> who wild. knows what that's supposed to mean. Um, but I know, I know, it was super peaceful. 
Um, and it was not, it was like, not like a psychedelic, like when you, if you don't, if you've never done psychedelics and you think of psychedelics, everybody has like that kind of image of it, right. In their minds. And it was not that for me. Um, there was some, like, definitely some like, whoa, kind of moments, but it was not overwhelming. It was not violent, aggressive, uncomfortable. It was real peaceful. And I think it was preparing me for what I would experience with the five MEO DMT. Yeah. Okay. So what, so did you do them in conjunction? So, so Tuesday night we did, I began. Okay. And then Thursday afternoon, we did the five MEO. Oh, okay. So how was five MEO for you? I mean, just like everybody else who's done it will say like words, you can't even really even begin to say like what the experience was. I had a heaven and a hell component. Um, the first dose was very somatic. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I don't even remember all of it, like all that, you know, because yeah. like the, all of the details, um, but very, very pleasurable. I remember seeing this, you know, kind of like kaleidoscope of light and energy and just, oh my God, every atom in my body feels great. And it's just this source of kind of energy and this experience that's like love and beautiful. And I'm crying. So five MEO for you. Let's, let's start there. So you did on a Thursday night. Thursday afternoon. Thursday afternoon. Yeah. And you had the, I got the hell, uh, heaven and hell component. And then that's really where. Yeah. So the first dose I had was um, this, you know, kind of, you vaporize it. So it go, it's a very quick kind of experience. It's not this prolonged situation. Um, and it was this kaleidoscope essentially of colors and energy and every cell in your body kind of is, is, kind of like having like an orgasmic, like a non-sexual orgasmic experience. Um, and I think it like during the first dosing, I had a little bit of like this resistance or questioning or whatever. Um, but it was from what I recall, generally very, like it was pleasurable. It was nice. And they said like, you know, you can take you know, a couple doses or whatever, you know, and there was something in me that was like, that was awesome. That was like amazing, but incomplete was just this kind of thing that came. And I've been sober for three years now, um, refraining from alcohol. And I know, you know, addiction and stuff like that has been certainly sort of part of my past. And so I raised my hand and, or, you know, when we're laying down, I'm like, you know, I'd like another dose. And they're like, okay. And I know I didn't take that to get like high or higher, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. the, the, where I was, there was no, it was beyond all measurement, you know? So it, it was like from a pure place, but it was from a place of like, there's an incompleteness to this Got experience. It. Took the second dose and went into the, went into hell, which was an eternal, an eternal cycle of my basically head eating itself and being completely alone and feeling eternal darkness and nothing has any point in like extreme nihilism. And um, yeah, just, it was terrifying. I'm still working through it to be honest with you. I'm still working through it. Um, but it, 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 you know, as my integration coach says, like they amplify what's already within you. 
And so one of my intentions going in there was to feel alive and to learn kind of how to live more and feel more. And so I, I'm feeling the spectrum of emotions more than I ever have. And that's both good and bad and being able to work through that and not create this hell in my mind where I come to this thing of no point of anything. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was the hardest fucking thing I've ever done psychologically. So you went through when you, when you were a green beret, did you, you deployed? Yeah. Um, where were your tours? We were at a site in the middle East, not Iraq or Afghanistan. It wasn't a combat operation. What brought on the, um, the alcohol and drug abuse? Or addiction, the alcohol and the addiction. Is my audio okay? Yeah, you're fine. Can you hear me? Okay, sorry. It's okay. All right. Um, I was I, I way before the military. You know, I, I had an alcohol problem way before the military. I actually drank the least amount ever during the military. Um, so interesting. You know, I I was a pretty lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, for the first two years of being in uh, the special forces pipeline, you're in training. Any day can be your last. I'm not, and I, and I had known the perils of alcohol because I had experienced them on my own. Um, and I wasn't going to fuck that up. Most people get a DUI. They do something. I know people do st- stupid shit on alcohol because I was one of them. Um, so I really didn't drink much at all. And then I got, and then when I was down at fifth group, I was living by myself and, you know, busy and this and that. And like, it just wasn't really a part. I drank more. I started drinking more and more alone, um, when I was at fifth group, but I had an alcohol problem probably from the first, since the first time I, I had a beer, I, you know, um, just trying to escape the present. And I never, and, and it was never, I never learned how to drink. It was, it was just like any, any person who struggles with addiction, um, you know, if one is good, then 50 is better. And it just got out of control, but then it was endorsed in college athletics and not endorsed like that. I'm, I'm, I take full responsibility, but like you're partying, oh, it's part, you know, you, you work hard, party hard, that kind of bit. Yeah. Um, but I had, I have, you know, I had, I had so many experiences before the military where alcohol was a major problem and but i never got a dui i never got you know arrested i never had any legal problems um it was under wraps for a bit you know and then in the military it was under wraps even more for the first couple years and then when the isolation when the loneliness when the you know uh, I knew I was going to be getting out probably after my first enlistment and I wasn't going to do everything I wanted to do. You know, I, we were going to go to Afghanistan that got pulled from us. We got wrapped up in this other interagency mission. Um, and it didn't go the way I had thought it wanted or, or really wanted to in, in many ways. And I had this knowledge that it was going to be incomplete and I wasn't going to experience what I wanted to and this and that. Um, and I started drinking more, 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 
sitting alone, you know, I would drink like two or three beers. Fuck this, that. That's that's not cool. Um, so anyway, yeah, three years ago, I stopped drinking. Did you come from a background where alcohol was an uh, was an issue in the family? Yeah. So a, um, a learned behavior, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a great question because that's a great question because I think, you know, alcohol is a problem in my family, not everybody, but it's a big problem. And in, in I would say like a, a pervasive problem. But it's the shadowy kind of alcohol use, you know. I, 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 my, 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 neither my mother nor my father would get liquored up and beat me. Um, there was no real, there was, there was no physical abuse. Um, you know, like there was, it was so easy to just say, like, oh, that's not a problem, right? Like even now, I'm like, I'm kind of like dismissing, it. and I love my parents, and I, and, and, and without a doubt, but, you know our relationship, my family's relationship with alcohol is not a good one. It's not a healthy one. So did I learn that? Uh, yeah. I mean, of course, like that was part of the environment, but I, I also believe in taking responsibility for, I chose to yes. start, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, the environment of alcohol use was certainly there. It's, 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 there's direct correlations to things like that. Just be, I always bring, I say always, but when I'm ha- talking to somebody who has had a, a past behavior and it's something that is a parent has done as well, I, I do ask that question a lot. And I, I get there is the aspect of, well, I don't want to put it all on them. Of course, it's my choice. I started and I don't disregard that at all. But, you know, it's always the nature versus nurture. And when you're in an environment where you're, you're seeing a behavior happen, like, for my family, it was smoking. Yeah. My mother and father smoked. Well, my brother smoked. I am the only one who did it. I use cannabis though. So it's, mm. I'm not saying it's not a learned behavior, but I also saw the side that I didn't like of it. So I never touched cigarettes. My brother, on the other hand, was exposed to it all the time, did touch cigarettes and did attach to it. So there is a it's not that it's intentional learned behavior and it's not like they were attempting to harm you, but it was around and it was relevant enough. And you saw behaviors that maybe you end up mimicking without really realizing where that came from. Just, just a thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, for sure. I, I agree. Yeah, for sure. I agree. You know, and, and I think, um, yeah, spot on, you know, the environment and how, and it's the nature and the nurture and you're a product of your environment, but you also contribute to your environment and, Correct. you know, for sure. Yeah. So after Ibogaine and five MEO, you did that in January of last year, this year, oh, three this months year. Ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is making so more like, this is all of the sense in the world now. So you're doing the work though. You're doing the thing we spoke about at the very beginning of the show, which is that is just the beginning. That is just the moment. That is the, the, that is the blip that that's the catalyst that allows the boom to happen. And this is where the work begins. 
how has that been? How has that process been? And what are you doing to really help reintegrate what you've learned in those psychedelics experiences with vets into your life now? So the integration part is, is, is definitely what I'm, you know, kind of immersed in now. Um, I have a, I have a, you know, coach an integration coach vets provides, sorry, vets provides that, um, uh, you know, you have you know X number of sessions or whatever and, and to help you and whatnot. My, but I'll continue to, I'm continuing to work with her, you know, individually, which I think is also a very important part. You know, you have to have your own skin in the game a bit as well. Uh, not like look for the handout thing. So I feel pretty strongly about that. And yeah, I'm working through what is learning how to live in this post, you know, expansive experience looking like and looking at my own living with joy and, and feeling love and, and um, spirituality. The, you know, the thing about my, the journey, the, the retreat as a whole, I think what it, cause we also had a, we did a traditional Mexican uh, Temescal sweat lodge uh, oh, actually wow. before, before that. And there was no medicine, there was no, you know, psychedelic medicines involved in that. And that was like a very spiritual experience for me as well. I was in this generally the same state of consciousness, but that retreat really highlighted for so long of my life, how long I was living with a, with a spiritual void. And then you put into that void, perhaps trauma slash adverse experiences across a range of things. I had a lot of head injuries myself as well, being a, you know, high level soccer player. I, you know, I had a concussion almost like every year. In, I think it was actually every year in college. One of them was two, it, you know, and then you go into the military. So then, so in that spiritual void, what went into there was this, was kind of this dark, it was like, it was dark. It was a lot of darkness, I would say. And, um, that was highlighted, that was highlighted in my psychedelic journey of like, Hey, there's this whole emptiness to you of soul, of spirituality. And what, what went into that was some shit you got out like that hell component. I've, you know, I confront, I really confronted many, in many ways after that five MEO experience, you know, my own suicidality and I had brushes with it in the past. Um, and, but really saw it again, amplified, like my coach says, like, Hey, you know, this is going to show what's in within you. Um, anyway, that spirituality is a, a part of now what I'm sort of like trying to navigate and find my way and, and experience more than know as well. Um, and so that's, that's part of it. The other part about the integration that I'm, I'm learning and I'm going to continue to learn for a while is there's a, there's a heaviness to the responsibility to living that I don't know if I ever really fully appreciated or, or knew or felt. And, you know, that's like, yeah, like that can be heavy sometimes. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's something that I think that hit me when you said that, because I feel that, but I've never been able to put words to it. 
when you experience something like that, there is a whole different weight and responsibility with living now. And that I've never heard anybody else express that that way or at all. Yeah. 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 And, and I think when you have that experience or when you have that awareness of it, like now everything is on the table. No. (laughs) (laughs) And that could be overwhelming as well. Sometimes you're like, wait a second. When you say everything, what do you mean? No, everything. All things. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so light, and, and I think this is sort of part of the dance too, because life can't just stop. You know, it, we, we can't just say, hold on, I'm going to wait until I've got it all figured out. And then I'm going to go, no, that's, 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 have you not learned anything yet? You know? Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And the, so the four by four by 48 thing, I saw that like two, I got, I got back from my retreat, went off as, you know, it was intentionally off of social media. My nervous system was still like, what the, what, what just happened? Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking about deleting it all in, t- in, in its entirety, right? Like one of these, one of these oh, yeah. response, these, these rebound responses. Um, yeah, I know those, those are, uh, everyone has those after it's just, I, um, my friend who introduced me to heroic hearts, that's one one thing he always said to me after our first experience was no major life decisions for three weeks, nothing. There's a reason for that homie, or we would all be living in the woods, growing beards together. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, one of the most, uh, intelligent things I've ever been advised to do is to know serious decisions after psychedelics for a period of time, because you, you are overwhelmed and there is this responsibility feeling that comes with it. And when you are thrust into the world again, after having such a life altering reality, altering experience, it can not only be overwhelming, but it can be, it changes everything. It just changes the way things look. It changes the way things sound. It changes the way things feel. And do you ever feel, you feel so much afterwards that it is a burden and you yourself having met you, I know you're a very empathetic individual. So I can only imagine how much that heightened it for you as well. Yeah. The burden, that's a word I've come across. Like I've, I've really, that's entered my, you know, space for, for a bit now. Um, you know, and that, that's, I think part though of why we, do this stuff and, and why we use also like physical movement or experiences where it could be starting a business or it could be anything, but like, because it is a burden, you know, we are operating with, with the no, we, we know, we know we're not going to live forever. You know, we, we, whether or not people want to actually acknowledge that is a different thing, but like the burden of living is 
it might sound aggressive, you know, and it might sound sad or it might sound whatever, but like it's, it's heroic in many ways because with that burden, just like if you were lifting weight, like you get stronger because you lift heavier, like heavier weight. Correct. And so, <laughs> you know, the bigger the burden now, does that mean you're, everything has to be a burden? No, 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 of course not. You know, or, or whatever, but like, yeah, the burden to live is, um, I think that's, I think that's something that when we experience, we can also look at and be like, okay, so, so I, I guess it's all right for not getting mad at that person who's taking a little bit longer at the red light, you know, that you, you just kind of have a little bit more now. And, and, within reality too because you're not just like you said growing a beard in the woods and yeah i am tree like that's not it either no and and there's a balance between the both and there may be the burden to that but there is also the honor of having that experience and the privilege of having that that experience and getting that opportunity to sit in ceremony or and be in a loving, like-minded, safe environment where you're able to allow your body and mind to go and explore in an expansive way that in in you know, in any other time in our life, it just wouldn't be accessible unless it was the 70s. My God, there was no what is, I, I heard a, I heard a quote and I have no idea where I heard it from, but it was like, somebody, somebody said, if you, if you remember the seventies, you were doing it wrong. The point <laughs> is like psychedelics can save humanity. And I have this like beautiful idea of which I would never do is like just drugging the water source with psilocybin so that every other individual could just have a moment of peace. And maybe we would go back or get to a point. Cause I don't even know that we've ever had it, but get to a point where society can see individuals like themselves as one of themselves and see themselves in others. And within that comes healing and within that comes community and comes love and support for one another again. And I, I would be, I would love to do that. I would love to dose everyone. I would, because it could help individuals. Um, that being said, I also preface that with, I know that psychedelics are not a good choice for some individuals and that's okay too depending on the psychological disorder they may be dealing with. They're not, they're not a one size fit all. It's not a, it's not um, something that I recommend everyone do and do in without set and setting in mind and without shamans. I'm a very big proponent of doing things properly. Um, but again, could you imagine? <laughs> you know, I said a similar thing when I came back and said, you know, it's, it's, the past two years, two plus years, I guess now, you don't have to be that good of an arguer to make a case for despair and hopelessness, right? Like you don't have to look far. And I've certainly felt that, you know, uh, and I have, I have so many blessings and so many privileges and so many opportunities and I'm in the top, you know, point whatever percent of the world when in in a in a rating system in a western rating system now spiritually i'd say i was not in that top percent but that's a whole separate a whole separate thing but i came back from that and i said the same thing to my wife i said hey i think i think within the psychedelics hope for humanity can be found um and yeah not they're not for everybody 
you know, I think it, it is, you, you know, you, people can hear us having these conversations and these experiences, but like, I'm telling you also, like it is for me, it is still some of the hardest work like to do. And you have these realizations and with higher consciousness, like that's the thing with awareness, like with more awareness, like you're going to see more shit. You're going to feel more stuff. And it's easy to romanticize the psychedelic experience. Of course. And I think that it's important for people to, to, you know, really, you know, be honest about that. And if it means they have to do work for a while before, do the work before, because it's not that quick fix. It's not that magic pill. It, it's, it's, if we go into it like that, and I think that's, you know, what of what I appreciate now kind of trying to being a student of the psychedelic industry or revolution or whatever it might be, you know, I'm just trying to learn a bunch. And I really, really have a tremendous amount of respect and appreciation for the voices and the leaders in the space saying like, this is not a magic pill. This is in many ways, it's not about the psychedelic. It's not like, for example, Rick Doblin saying about MDM, MDMA is like, it's not about the MDMA. It's about the therapy that accompanies the MDMA. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, I, I hear you. I think there's so much power that we can, um, that humanity can benefit from. And hopefully it, hopefully it is, hopefully the sacredness of it, the shaman work, the trusted, right. The like, like the respect your roots kind of deal. Like, I hope that is continued, um, which I think is what also the four by four by 48 in a very non psychedelic, you know, substance way, they preserve that essence of it. Uh, thought that was awesome. Yeah. I'd never, I have, uh, I've done some veteran events before I've traveled with veteran events across, um, overseas. And I've, I've never, to this date, experienced something like that. Um, when I was in Texas afterward, after the four by four by 48, I went to the, um, brain was, uh, the resiliency brain center through defenders of freedom. And while I was there, I got to go to one of the defenders of freedoms banquet evenings, um, for donors. And I found the way that the United States does charity events is very different. Um, there's a different level of respect that is brought forth and whether it's from a putting the table out for the, the soldiers that are no longer with us to saying the national anthem to standing up during the national anthem to, to things like having a spiritual event and preserving those things within one another at a running race or running event. I mean, to exposing individuals to cultures, maybe they have had no, no clue about, or maybe wanted to learn. I've just never been exposed. I've just never seen that before. And it was really unique, but I think that's why it also made the event what it was. It wasn't just an event. It was a meeting of a collective mind. It felt like of a, of a group of individuals who just only wanted better for one another. And there was a purity to it. And when you brought in the elements of the, the shamanistic setting and things like that, it just gave life to something bigger. 
And it really was this vibration elevation or whatever you want to call it. There was something magical that happened. And it's incredibly hard to articulate because I'm not, I'm still kind of trying to break down what that weekend was because it's, there's so many layers to it for me. Um, and it's something that I'm trying to kind of work through because like psychedelic experiences, you have layers to things. And when you're constantly thinking about something, another piece of it comes up and another piece of it comes up and kind of, that's how that event has affected me truly. And I think that's Mm -hmm. such a profound thing to have happen at an event for, for, for veterans and, and for just human beings in general. Yeah. I, I think the part about trying to like break it down to is like impossible. Like it, what we, you know, of course we can say, okay, there's themes and be descriptive of it, but like what was experienced was the elemental level of connection and healing and, and coming together. And, you know, there was so much in there that, you know, it would be, if you remove one like it was one thing, but it had so many things in it. And so right. removing kind of one thing or, you know, and, and, um, you know, I hope it continues. I think they did a phenomenal job. Um, and it, I could see it being like a yearly, I could see it just growing. Right. Oh, it's being going this to. big thing. I, yeah. And, and I also like, don't know if it neat. I don't, I mean, just sort of randomly speaking here, like, I'd really kind of smile if it didn't grow too. I you know, know right? It, like the scale <laughs> of it. You know what I mean? Because you're like, ah, don't like, it doesn't need, not everything needs to be this grandeur and this, right? you know, people are flying in their private jets to like attend it. And I thought that because that was so pure about it as well. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was just so pure. And while I hope they continue to raise money and give access and like have all of the benefits, obviously that we want to see grow. And um, I also, I also know that like there will never be another one. Um, And so, and I don't mean that like from like an ego pride way, you know, but just like, yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. It will never be. That was the first of the first. And it was the, and the people that were there will always be those people that were there. It's very similar to the first time I sat with Aya. Those other nine men in the room and those two shaman will be those other nine men to me. I keep their names out. Some are still active, some are whatever. Those will always be that. And slowly, as I experience sitting with psychedelics, there's different people that get brought into that group, if you will, but there always will be that first group, that first, that first, uh, connection with everyone. And that is a very special, hard thing to replicate. And I think because of who was involved, everyone was a very of, or most people, I'd say the majority, probably 99% of everyone there was very much there for the purest intent. And that's what's so unique. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. And that's something I don't think you can, like, you can't try to make that happen. It just happens. 
and yeah. there's so much outside of our control. Like I didn't control, I had nothing to do with the fact that you were going to be there. Correct. You know? And so there's like so much of that lack of control, that unknown. And it wasn't tried. It was experienced. It, we, we, you know, kind of had that. And um, yeah, it was what, what a beautiful thing. What a truly beautiful experience. And it was, and I'm, I'm so grateful because again, all of that started for me the first moment I had the, the pleasure of, of getting to meet heroic hearts for me. That's, you know, having that experience because of Griff through Jesse brought me to a random email that Jesse sent uh, Andrew Marr one day with myself attached saying you two should talk on when I was on vacation, you know, before Christmas. So which then turned into a phone call standing on the beach, watching a turtle swim by talking about this crazy running event. And if I would want to come do it, I mean, there was whatever you want to call it in divine intervention, connection, whatever there's, there's been since the moment I opened my world up to psychedelics in a truly spiritual, deep, deep connection way. Since that moment, everything has changed. Mm. My entire world has changed in the most challenging yet beautiful and divine way. And I never Mm. had spirituality before. I always had this weird feeling. I was an odd duck. Used to see little things moving around. My mom was like, you're crazy. Nah. She was like, no, it's okay. It's cool. Like, just tell it to go away. My mom has the same problem. It's fine. So she would tell me that, but I had this, but I was also raised in a Catholic environment in a Catholic school where I was supposed to go to church and do these things. And then I lost, I, I left that as one does who's Catholic schooled and there was no yeah. connection to anything greater yeah. than myself, no spirituality, no deeper, deeper rooted, but, but knowing there was something always myth missing whether it was a faith, whether it was a connection to something, there was always something missing. Having found that, I now know that's what was the missing part for me. Yeah, what an amazing gift to be able to have in a way also that, and I was similar with Catholicism, Um, you know, I stopped going and then eventually, you know, you just, everything kind of goes away but also to to have in a way that is a return to nature um, that is natural, like, you know, that does come from the earth. That is, that is not dogma. That is not ideology. That is not some human beings interpretation slash, mm-hmm. you know, muse for power. Um, but, and, and I think that's like such a, no wonder psychedelics are, you know, kind of viewed as the enemy of, of, of order also right. um, in, in this, in this manner, because it's like, well, yeah, you just kind of pull the curtain, pull the veil back, pull the curtain back a little bit and then perhaps see like, Oh yeah, that's not. Um, but like you said, it's, it's challenging work, you know, it's, it's that burden we talked about. That's not, but, but rewarding as well. You know. Yeah, it is rewarding. And, uh, and I always encourage individuals to, 
to seek out knowledge and, and attempt to, to, to learn on their own and gather their own opinions and information and before going to do something like that. But I always remind individuals to set and setting is key. And if someone's if someone's <clears throat> forcing you to pay an exuberant amount of money to go to some shady back room, it's probably not the ideal place to go experience it. Yeah, that that's, that that actually genuinely scares me. That like now knowing, you know, just how powerful. And I think that's where, and when I talk about my experience and my hell experience, you know, it was a hell experience. It was not hell. Like it was an experience of that, you know? And so, um, but I also speak about that because I think it's important to be honest of this shit's hard sometimes. Like, again, because I just know, and I probably, and we all do it. Like, oh, I want that. It's like, but do you, like, do you know what you're saying? And, you know, if you just say, oh, oh, so-and-so did Ibogaine or Aya or 5-MEO or psilocybin, you know, and you make it about the thing. And then some random dude says, hey, come here behind the, you know, back alley and, and doses you or just mass doses 50 people in a row. Like that is going to fuck people up. And it's because it's not about the subs. It's not about the compound. It's not about, it's not about the thing, um, you know, and I think, I think that's where it is as this thing, as psychedelics get more and more mainstream and get talked about more and more and bigger and bigger people talk about it. Like, I just really hope for people's own sake that, um, yeah, it's not a fairy tale. Uh, nothing is, you know? And so. No, I, I wrote, um, I wrote, uh, poem or spoken word or whatever the hell it is. I wrote something, something came out of me that was very dark and <laughs> some, some real shit came out after uh, one of the ceremonies and it can be horrific Yeah, in a way that nightmares and movies and your imagination could never create for you. And right. it can shake your, your foundation. It, your true yeah. foundation. When people say foundation, they think I'm talking about like, they can like shake your values. No, bitch. No. <laughs> They're going to shake your fucking soul. And yeah. that is not, that's not me being like facetious. That's me being like the whole foundation of the, of the soul and, and human being that you are, that you think that you are, have been for X amount of years on this planet that can shake it and rock it so hard that it can break your fucking psyche. And yeah. so I do say handle with care because like you said, it's not fair to talk about just the good because it's not just right. good. There is the bad. Right. There is the yin and the yang. Right. There always will be. It's what you take yeah. from that knowledge and what, what you learn from it. Right. And it's funny to hear you say like, I don't remember everything. Like it's okay. You'll get weird blips. You'll get weird blips. I'm still working on yeah. something from October last year that I'm not, I can't wrap my brain around for the life of me. I just, I can't, that one night, just, I can't get it. I can't, it was so far. It's, I don't know that like the human language has the words for me to truly describe it in the way that I think it would do it justice. Yeah, that's, yeah. um, that's, that's uh i think there's some if you can also though like there's there's a powerful like lesson of acceptance in that too 
you know oh, of course and and i think that's like we again these these topics we're talking about are kind of like they're so easy to hashtag you oh, know yeah. and oh <laughs> acceptance oh foundation oh this oh that Fine. and it's like yeah that's not you're in for a major wake-up call if that's the case and it's not going to be pleasant uh, but no i i agree and i i couldn't have said it any better with what you just covered about that like yeah talk about the yin and the yang it's and that's i think really being a being an advocate for this for for these for, for psychedelics truly yeah that's a fun conversation with your in-laws when they realize you're you're doing heavy psychedelics so <laughs> We, <laughs> I mean, it's 420. So everyone's very aware of who I am, but it's an interesting when the thing, when you start putting it out to the world and you start saying, you know, because my buddy who introduced me said, listen, when this happens, you're going to see the mountaintop. You're going to see the, the things that once you see, you can't unsee, don't become the, the veteran billboard for it. And I said, I hear you on that. Don't get me wrong. But when there's something so powerful and so healing and so divine that can heal the community in a way that I believe nothing else can, I, I feel like I don't have a choice as long as I'm being respectful. I feel like I don't have a choice. It is that it's that, that burden, but also that honor and that privilege to share that information. Yeah, I agree. I agree. For sure. So what's, what's the next plans? Like, what are the plans for you? What's, what's next? And, um, how do people really become proponents of your amazing fitness program with your wife? Because I've, we've been on your site. I've seen, I've seen some of the stuff that you guys have going. I see that you have the podcast and it's, it's really interesting. So what's, what's kind of next for you? Well, I appreciate you asking that or, or saying you see that stuff. Um, I'd like to return to the business. So I have been finishing up the 16 month master's degree. That's been like full-time, full-time to include like a full-time clinical internship um, to accompany it. So I really have been just maxing out the oxygen in the tanks. Uh, and my wife has yet again, you know, uh, carried our team forward and really just, I mean, she's, she's stronger than I am. So there's, it shouldn't be a surprise, but it's still impressive kind of deal. Women are. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, like without doubt. Look, I'm <laughs> I'm right there, um, and so I graduate actually in like a month. So I'm looking forward to returning to more, you know, more of the between the years stuff. Um, I had to personally kind of put it on the back burner um, to include our podcast. Like we've, I think we'd like to revive it. We definitely want to, it'd be cool to have you on it too. Uh, come on as a guest and, and, you know, kind of have another chat. Um, but really what I think we want to do is just be stewards of providing experiences for people that check the physical, mental, emotional, and maybe a little bit of the spiritual um, through movement, you know, certainly knowing your lanes and knowing what you're good at and knowing also where, you know, you just kind of say, Hey, here's a general direction. Um, we're not, I'm not a spiritual teacher, but there is a spiritual component to when you involve your body in a pursuit and an endeavor. And, and, and 
the individual doing that experience is that the coach or the facilitator, they don't do shit. They just kind of say, Hey, here's the environment. Here's sort of the, the deal, but you create that experience. Um, so yeah, so, so definitely having, uh, a more of concerted focus on that. So we have like a online program, um, which is like a 12 workout program. It's called like the breakthrough program. Basically every, there's a workout, challenging workout, an accompanying mindset thing. And then we wrap up or we involve a journal practice with it too, for some of the mindfulness and some of the, you know, connection with yourself. And then we have, um, I'm having like a men's, a men's training weekend in July, starting an online group. It's actually called the mycelium. Um, Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're kicking that stuff off. So really just trying to bring people together across variety of platforms. The internet and the online is obviously part of our deal. We don't only operate on there, but we can connect with people who, you know, may feel like, fuck, where do I go to have some of these conversations? I don't know. Like in my town, I don't know. I don't know anybody, but I know <laughs> like you, I know all these other people who who right. we can come together, you know. Um, and also using you know, we, um, we have an approach to fitness with between the ears and between ears fitness that is integrative as far as, you know, your nervous system, strength and conditioning principles, mental health, uh, nutrition, your environment, personal empowerment. Like, you know, we try to have it be something all inclusive and non-dogmatic, um, because as soon as we say it's, you know, it's dogmatic is, um, there's some problems there. Absolutely. Well, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to when you get the podcast up and running anytime I, I would love yes. to be on. Um, yes. but that's fantastic because you look at, like I said, you look at fitness in a different way. And when you look at mindset in a different way, you can integrate all of these incredible different modalities that really, like you said, the trainer's not doing the work. It's you. So when you give people the tools to do the right things, they're, they're going to succeed. Yeah. 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 And, and I, you know, learning how to learning how to draw and you know navigate your own thing, the self-empowerment part. And it's so, and I, and I, and I have sat in both seats, everybody has, but sometimes it's just like, just tell me where to go. I just want to know where to go. And somebody, you know, a, a, a mentor might be like, no, where do you want to go? Where do you think you're going? You're like, Oh my God. But then also having somebody be able to provide some of the things like, <laughs> like, Hey, this, you know, you might be going a little bit this way, or you might be going a little bit that way. And and so that person can reflect on it and, and learn. And so, you know, there's again, that, that trying to help people explore that balance between the known and the unknown between, you know, self-empowerment and, and, and ex- exploration but also structure and some guidance in a manner that's uh, helpful for them to then develop their own language and be able to speak their own language. Uh, Cause ultimately like that's, what's needed. Well, I'm glad that you're doing it. It's glad. That, I'm really glad to see people really putting in the efforts instead of just saying, here's a workout, go do it. Cause that's not really how things work in life. Um, yeah. You're setting people up to fail. I mean, there's some people that can work for it. Don't get me wrong, but there's also a, like you said, an integrative approach. There's a very, individualized approach to, to life and progression. And I think you're, you're kind of nailing it with what you do. Where do people find your website and where do they find your socials so that they can follow along and hopefully join you? Yeah. So my name 
Bill Anthes is what my Instagram handle is. Uh, my website or our website between the ears, BTWN the ears. Uh, we don't do a lot of stuff on the website. I mean, it, it, I don't know. I hate the whole website thing. Social media is probably the, honestly the best place to go to get like <laughs> a, like a, like a flavor profile <laughs> um, versus the website. So that's my Kariana Anthes, K-A-R-I-A, and then E, uh, A-N-T-H-E-S is, is my wife's name. And then our handles are between the ears and between the ears fitness also. So kind of all over the place. Perfect. Just uh, lots of places people can find you. That's what we want. Anywhere. And we'll be sure to, the internet's we'll, huge. It is huge. It's terrifying. It's a black it hole. Um, but we will be sure to put everything in the show notes so that everyone can go give you a follow, give you some love, and hopefully join you on your guys' journey. I can't thank you enough for being as open and vulnerable as you have been. And it's been an honor to have you on the show, my friend. And I can't wait for you and your wife to come back. Yes, yes, yes. We'll have to have you on yours, Kelsey. Thanks so much for, for the chat. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, just, you know, I, 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 like I said, I enjoyed that we got to actually spend time together and meet each other in person and then do this. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's a pretty cool thing. So thanks for having me on your show. No worries, man. You're welcome. Anytime. Everyone else, I'll see you all next week. You stick with me.